Today's episode of The Station Tapes is a discussion with the great Weedy Brema. Weedy's new album, The Hands of Time, is due out fall 2021 on Christian Scott Atunde Ajwa's Stretch Music label. And it's a monstrous record. I learned so much about the djembe, about djembe fola, and percussion and drumming in general in talking to Weedy and Christian. Not just details, but an overview of the scope and the history that has been lost in modern culture. Weedy is making a powerful statement with his music and with his words. Let's jump in. I was in the city. I was working with, you know, a lot of artists. I was doing a lot of teaching at that time. I was in and out, in and out. And I just met a young man by the name of uh, Corey Fonville. And I knew about a young man that was here that was a phenomenal drummer named Joe Dyson. So I was out and about one night. And I ran into Joe Dyson. And I said, Joe, how you doing, man? He says, hey, bro, what's happening? I said, he said, you know what, bro? You need to meet somebody, man. I said, who? He said, you got to meet my, my brother, Christian. I said, Christian Scott, Atunde Adjua. I said, this guy, he played Casa. All, I said, he plays Casa. He knows African music. He said, yeah, man, we've been studying at his house. I said, what? He plays doing so I'm, I'm over here wilding out because he had an understanding of folkloric music mm-hmm. at a time where I was like, all right, who's going to be the one? I'm trying to find out when can we meet the person that's going to be able to bridge genres so we can really do this. So I said, man, if you can leak us, man, please do. The same night, I spoke to a guy by the name of Corey Fonville. And me and Corey was rapping. He says, hey, man, you... <laughs> Really, you really be Christian. Y'all both, you say, y'all both titans in y'all world, man. And plus, you know, he's all into the African thing, man. So it's like, <laughs> he said, but I think that really cool. I'm about to call him right now. Come to believe that Christian was coming in town a week later to record Ruler Rebel. And I called, I say, say, brother, how you doing? He says, man. I love you. I told him I love you. I love your work. And from that day, we've been here. We've been in. And we've been brothers ever since. It's been an honor to actually work with a person who really takes folkloric way of life serious. Both from the Indio, Afro-Indio culture, as well as African culture. And I can honestly say it's been an honor to, to just walk side by side with a person who has a heart and a mind and knows the importance of this folklore. So for you, brother, I can't tell you nothing but a love and, and thanks, you know, for that's my how I met Christian story. It's mutual, man. And, and you know, I, I think that the, the what was craziest to me about it, um, just in terms of synchronicity, is that our families have been running together for generations, but we mm-hmm. didn't. Right. So, you know, so many New Orleanians would know, obviously, uh, Weedy's great uncle is the great Idris Muhammad. Right. And so obviously we know him as arguably one of the greatest drummers and artists of the 20th century, 20th century music period. But in New Orleans, he's a king. Now, when when I'm growing up and coming up in, in the traditions that, that I come from, you know, my uncle Donald, uh, you know, this is maybe. 2000 from 2001 or two to maybe 2012 um you know he, he led the congo nation his tribe and idris muhammad was the trail chief or the second chieftain in that 
in that cohort for many years. So my relationship to him wasn't just a musical relationship. It was also me looking at him as a Baba in our culture. But I didn't know that Weedy was his great nephew, right? <laughs> Obviously, you know, multiple generations, you know, he knew my grandfather. Our grandfathers, you know, are aware of each other and ran in similar circles. So it's like, it's strange when like, you have those moments where even as adults, you know, I think a lot of times you think about, especially for musicians that come from our kind of cultural space, you usually meet as children, right? Like I met Trombone Shorty when he was maybe four or five, I was maybe six, right? So in New Orleans, you usually meet when you're really young. But it was really odd to me that um, Weedy and I, having so many points of connection, didn't meet until we were in our mid-30s, really, almost, almost, you know, 31, 32, that, that, that. Yo, 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 yo. So yeah, so you know, and we've been kicking the can around since that moment, but we were meant to be together. So you know, as much reverence and love as you're showing me, it is completely mutual. And you know, Chief don't bow, but I bow to you because I love you and I, I know what you're really about this music. And, and so when people are framing things and we're saying that, you know, you're one of the leading exponents on these instruments for what's going on in this generation, I know that you are the master level not just djembe folder, but conceptualist and composer for mixing all of these things in this generation as well. So I, so I think that needs to be said. So the synchronicity in terms of playing and our families and all of the things that we're developing, uh, none of it is an accident and we were supposed to be together. And Chief. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's dive right in. This, this album, the, the one word uh, that comes to my mind is monstrous. Uh, <laughs> this... There is so much to digest, to take in, to understand, to learn, uh, and to find, you know, your space and, and joy in with this record. And I think it's the kind of record that you could play uh, a couple of hundred times and still find something that you didn't uh, notice before or, or feel before. And that, you know, that's a timeless record, in, in my opinion. Uh, we heard uh, Ships Come In, I believe, on, on the intro. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let, let's frame real quickly how the album came together and, and what your intent was with the album, and then we'll, we'll jump into another track. Well, one of the most important things for me is that I've always wanted the djembe to have his voice. It had to have his voice, you know. I've been able to play with a lot of people, and I've been able to, you know, create a voice and a lane for me to be a djembe fola in this music, but at the same time, I wanted the people to, to gain the respect for the instrument as it just deserves. I mean, we're looking at an instrument that in a field that I'm the last one hired and the first one's fired as the quote unquote word percussionist. Right. So to have a, a sound that's created for the listener to understand that this djembe, uh, this instrument has the same voice as a classical piano or as a, or as like Trump, or as like Christian with his trumpet, or as like, you know, anyone, I mean, Terrace Martin with his saxophone, Corey with his, his piano, it's, mm -hmm. it has the same voice. And it's now starting to get the respect that it deserves. And it's all, the music and the sound was all this, my life growing up in the house that had folkloric African music, jazz, funk, more folklore, new, true New Orleanian folklore, Afro-New Orleanian folklore inside of it. And so I said, you know, I've always dreamed to, to find a way to implement those worlds and to really find a way to 
to, to kiss each other and hug each other without saying, okay, well, you can only do this because you play this instrument. And well, you can only solo on this song in 6-8, or you can only do these things. And so for me, what you're hearing is my, my story of who I am as a musician, as a Jim Fola, as a composer, as a human being. So more you hearing is more my heart is gone. You're listening to my story. So the songs that you hear in the line of how they go, you're hearing a story about my upbringing and where I pray that it goes. Not for just me, future Jimbe Folas mm. and folklorists and, and, and Afro-diasporic music in the future. That, that's, that's what you hear. That's what you hear. Excellent, excellent. Let's jump in and play the track that is coming out today. Um, this is called Weedy Foley. <laughs> no. Tell me what's happening there on the intro and in the, in the beginning of that song. Of course, the great Elena Pinder Hughes, and I, and I can hear Roger Casas. Uh... That one is not Elena. Oh, really? No, no, I, no, no. I made an assumption. No, 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 no. Can we start over? Actually, wants to study. Every time I see Elena, she wants to study with this guy. Ah, okay. Yeah. So what you're hearing is... Two things. You hear Mandin culture, pure Mandin culture, combined with the voice and the sound of what I call Isain Africa. And what is Isain Africa? Isain Africa is the village of where I was raised in Isain Louis. 
And why do we call it East St. Africa? It's because East St. Louis was one of the second places in the world outside of West Africa where you could find the djembe in 1964 when it first arrived in America. So only two places, New York and East St. Louis. That's why we praise artists like Harry Belafonte and Catherine Dunham. Because those were the pioneers and the Pan-Africans who were able to bring this art to inner city children to understand that Africa is still alive in you right here in your backyard. It's right here. So what you're hearing is what, what I call, instead of creating, instead of playing folkloric music that children from the north side or the east side of East St. Louis or from the ninth ward would never know, they can play the rhythms and they learn that they was created right here on this soil, right in the West. People in the West don't know Manjani unless you was raised in folklore or you studied in folklore traditional West African dance. People in the world in in in, in this world may not know Dunumba, Konkoba. But why not Weedy Foley? Because it's cause something in it that's connected with their story. We're all African. Mm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's something that is in that story that's very innate in them that they can understand and hear and feel. So the rhythm that you're hearing is not a traditional rhythm. It's a rhythm that was created by me. And when I recorded it in, in Africa, the first thing they said was, ah, we did. I don't understand. I don't understand. What rhythm is this? This is, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, but it, what, what is it? I say, it's my own creation. Okay. That's, that's a weedy rhythm. That's your music. You've created a sound. I'm like, nah, yeah, yeah. But then one of my babas told me when I got back, he says, you see the question that they asked you? I said, yeah. He said, that's your music. You've been playing all this all your life. You grew up in it. But what's the story that you have to play for the, the ancestors and the culture on the side that was raised here? You got to play for them. You got to honor them. Hmm. And if you don't honor them, or you can continue to be playing music on one side that understands only the true folklore of that, but what about the folklore of your grandfather, your grand, the Indio people, the people that are Indio? What about the people that grew up in Fairview Heights? What about the people that, what rhythms are you honoring them? Are you honoring Sojourner Chief? Are you just honoring Sunjata? Are you honoring, just honoring Nana, uh, Nana Tiribang? Are you honoring um, just those beliefs and those things when you should be honoring also Malcolm X, Sojourner Chief, Marcus Garvey? So that's what Weedy Foley is about. It's being able to honor both entities to bring together to understand that Africa is one right inside of where you are. So to be able to speak both vernaculars without moving, that's Weedy Foley with a line of all-star musicians in both Mali and the States. Yeah, let's- I, I'd like to also add to that too. You know, it's, there is so much fusion in this generation that that is wholly unconcerned with really being connected and going through the actual process of mastering the vernaculars and languages before they fuse them, right? Yeah. So what has always been um, of interest to me and, and certainly clearly of interest to Weedy is having an ethnomusicological approach to limitless fusion, right? Which requires a value system that looks at all of these cultures as as things that you have to excavate in, right? You don't just go and grab what's on the surface. 
Now, obviously, people know Weedy in this moment as, as one of the great modern architects and players and composers for what it is that he's building and doing. But I think it is, is, it's vital that we also note the fact that this is a person that basically, from a, as a small boy until now, has been a part of this trajectory and learning and canon and the tradition. So it's when he goes to Africa and they say, Weedy Folia, this is Weedy's rhythm or Weedy sound, he's earned the right to have that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just showing up and saying, I got a new rhythm, check this out. They're not going to respect, they're not going to respect that or react in the, in, in the way where they have so much reverence for him unless he's actually gone through that process. And I think a lot of times with, specifically with uh, modern creative improvised music, or if you want to say jazz or whatever you want to call these, this, this modern sound in this moment, we have a, a there's this trope now of lauding folks and, and elevating folks that actually haven't gone through the process and don't mm -hmm. have that reverence and respect, haven't done that work, that excavation, you know, all of these things that are actually requisite in the folkloric spaces that are requisite in the, the spaces that actually seeded the things that we're building. So I think it's really important to note that and to say that because for a lot of people, they may be looking at it and saying, well, you say weedy folius, folius, a new rhythm and all these things, but they're not realizing that it's informed by all of these other mm -hmm. things. And I'm going to give an example just to kind of encapsulate all of that for, for folks that may be a little bit confused about by what I'm saying. There's a story about Picasso sitting in a cafe and, you know, somewhere in Europe and a person, this guy walks up to him and he asks him for an autograph. And Picasso takes a napkin and he draws a perfect circle, completely perfect. He gives it to the gentleman. The guy looks at it and he says, what is this? This is, you know, this is, I asked you for your autograph. And the guy's incensed by this. And so Picasso takes it back and he looks at it and he says, this is a perfect circle. You know, and the guy's like, yeah, but it only took you 10 seconds to make it. And his reply was, well, actually, this was more valuable than my autograph because it actually took me 50 years to make that. Right. Wow. So, so the, the point that I'm making is, is that when we're dealing with stretch music, when we're dealing with the sound that we is, is, is building right now, which is like the global stretch music, right? Yep. You also have to be clear in the fact that this is not something that just happened because he was interested in mixing rhythms or something that happened because he wanted to just create a sound that was different. You know, I have these conversations with my uncle a lot about sometimes how easy it can be to be original, right? It's like you might find someone that can't play and they play something you say, well, that's an original sound. But that's a completely different level when you actually go through the full process because it means you know that the things that you're doing have a root in something, right? So to me, and this is just my opinion, this is the thing that, that differentiates Weedy and distances him from, from all of the folks in our peer group that are trying to actually mix these rhythms. Because this is a person that from a baby pretty much is immersed in that full culture from everything, from not just the exhibition, the narrative aspects of it, but also in terms of how to openly and, and fully communicate with dancers those aspects of playing this music are ones that people are not paying attention to, but it is really important in this moment that we follow the babas that actually understand on a comprehensive level. So, so this is, you know, what I had to say in this moment when I'm hearing those breaks leading to, to, to what we know is an incredible composition. But when you hear that, this is not somebody just playing at a djembe. That's yeah. informed 
by 30 years worth of excavation and hard work. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny. It's funny because a lot of times it's like Christian just <laughs> ended with a with a great point. A lot of times when people hear the phrasing of the drum, they says, Oh man, those are amazing cadences. But they have no clue that I'm actually saying something that represents what is about to happen. Mm. It's a part of the composition that a lot of people don't look at. And sometimes we say, uh, we all have an old, uh, old saying. It says, you never know what your left hand do if your right hand doesn't slap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for me, Weedy Foley is special because this is also going to teach and uplift and inform and open the door to future Jimbe Foley's who will understand that you don't necessarily have to go this route. Right. And I, that's what I did for years, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was from the naming ceremonies, the dance classes, the, the actual dance companies, the ballet companies, the works, you know, you can, you can be a, you can have your own voice in this and still open up your way by still keeping your tradition. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, uh, so many thoughts come to mind when you, when, when you're both talking about this and I guess just, you know, we live in a time where it's easy to make copies. And, and everybody thinks, well, that you know, just do that, you know, but really you got to go back and transcribe and get the real information. Uh, and, and also, you know, speak, speaking to what Weedy's saying, go ahead. Christian. No, no, it's, it, that's, that's a really important, I think, component of it as well is that I think because of the academic component, um, casting is such a, a large, uh, shadow on how you actually develop musically in this generation. A lot of times we miss the fact that, like, if you didn't live it, it's hard to express it. Mm-hmm. And I, what Weedy's about, what we are about, um, is effective communication, right? And that is something that comes from chewed on experience, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I could, you know, I, I could uh, make you uh, some, you know, uh, let's say some speckled trout or something like this and, and have a, a, a honey wasabi sauce that has all of these things in you could conjecture as to what that tastes like, but once you taste it, you will never forget that. And it's the experiential component of this um, that I think is really important to, to highlight as well. Because it's one thing to do the work in the lab and, and the books and listening and all these things. But if you're also not willing to actually go and communicate and be with the people and have those expressions, your approach and, and the level that you can get to in terms of effective communication will be limited. And, you know, so it's important. To, to clarify that, Yo. you've got to go beyond cognitive understanding and dig and digging deep until you get to the to the root to the heart. Is is another way that I would phrase that. And uh, this is so great because, like this, getting these albums for me is like school. You know, like <laughs> this is my education. Uh, just the other day when we were trying to figure out what genre. It, it asked for a subgenre on one of the services, and and oh no, it asked for what language the vocal the vocals were in and we mm-hmm. answered with a language and i mean we we spent an hour navigating through the 1500 to 2000 african uh languages to, and 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 couldn't find that one right so you know That's it, fun. it opened me yeah. up right away hey monday bumana hey jack well, let's jump forward here. Um, this is a special treat because these tracks are not out yet. But uh, for those who have tuned in uh, today, they can uh, 
get get an early listen. This one is oh, shout out to my Muna Yusuf, Mumu Fresh, and Hatu Mastila. Yes. Thank you. Mm, that's mm. right. Next week we performed in Detroit. That's right. Um. So so the next one, uh, um. There's a credit here, and I wanted to ask you about this. Featuring Corey Henry, Christian Scott Atunde Ajwa, and then The Hands of Time. Is that now that's just referencing the album or is that referencing like a group of people who are part That's my band. That's the band. Okay. That's Got the band. Okay. So, you know, I wanted the band to have this feature as well. You know what I'm saying? The hands of time has his voice. And I have to say, you know, without them, I'm, you know, I'm nothing but, you know, a piece of feather. And so, I, you know, I, I'm honored to work with those amazing men, amazing human beings, amazing musicians, you know. Yeah. Raja Cassis, Nizaki, Luke Caranta, Sam Dickey, Shake and Doy, Shea Pierre, Courtney Smith. Um, <laughs> what else am I missing? Uh, we're gonna run. Around. We're gonna run all the credits and put them all up there. Uh, Give it, yeah. Christian Scott. You know that's my baby too. You see my baby. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've heard of him. I've heard of him. I think is my cousin. Yes, <laughs> 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 All right. Let me see if I can get set up here. I love that dude too much, guys. I'm sorry. I don't have sense, but I truly love this brother. Christian is to me. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> The funny thing is, is I think, you know, when, when people see us together and interacting, you know, they think we grew up together because our, our dynamic is, and I don't know if, you know, if that's, if that's sort of the, the, you know, the ancestral memory coming back at it because our families have been running together for so long, but uh, the, the love is beyond mutual. And, and, and I, I, I felt like from the moment we, we started recording Ruler Rebel that my entire musical life I've been waiting on you looking for you and you know and to find to finally be in a space where we can build what it is that we're building as two pillars coming from two different spaces but with the same focal point and intention it's like the gratitude it goes both ways my brother yeah I love you man you're you gonna hear a lot of that on this um, on this in this interview so there you go you guys have been, you guys have been living in the same spiritual space for quite some time I'm actually staying in the same house and didn't realize we was in the same house. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let me see if I can cue this up.
sounds completely different. This is orchestral. Uh, tell me, tell me what's happening here. Sakodugu. Sako. Sakodugu is a old, old folkloric song that comes from the jelly tradition, Manding tradition, from the land of Sako. Over 700 years old. Mm. Uh, it's a long story, but we're not going to go there. But one thing that's what, what, why I picked that song is because emotionally, in 1991, I met a griot by the name of Tata Bambu Kuyate. And when I met Tata Bambu, I heard her sing this song. And since that time I heard that it has never left my it never left me I seen her singing live and when I saw how she expressed and how she was able to to verbally bring about this, the legend and the story of Sakodugu through her voice through her emotion it was at that time it showed me the importance of the work of Jelly of Griot what does jelly and what is a jelly? Jelly is the oral historian. In order to be jelly, you must be born of that blood. And which she is, she's direct descendant of Kuyate, direct descendant. So the word jelly means blood. So be jelly, you must be born of it. So to have this jelly sing and hear this song from 90s, from the 90s to now, I said to myself, when I do my album, I'm going to do this song. But I want to do it in a way that's going to touch the hearts of a lot of people. So then I call, of course, Christian. And as well, I call this, the, the, um, the, the, the brother who's playing strings on there. Mm. Dave Egar is amazing. So I got to shout out Dave Egar because he's just an amazing artist. And when I told him what I wanted him to do, he says, hey, man, I also have an idea. Can, can I go one place in the middle of the song? I says, yeah, man, but don't go too far because, you know, you, 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 we, we can't go too far in the ether yet. He said, I got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea. So when he sent it back, I remember looking. I called Christian. This is so funny because when I was doing it, when I was working on it, I would call Christian. I said, Christian, you got to hear this shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm supposed to be cursing or something. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you got to hear this shit, man. I met this dude named Dave Edgar, man. And I wrote up some stuff for him, but he had an idea. You got to check it out. So Christian and me got to think. So when he sent it back, he FaceTimes me like, man. So I said, I think we got it. So make a long story short, Sako Dugu is truly folklorically classical Manding music, Jelia music. And, you know. Does it center around some 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 celebration or or a, a, like a like an event or something? Because it feels no. Like a... What happens is in Manding culture in Jelly, being Jelly, you sing of the stories of of, of old before. Ah, okay. So the main job is to be able to recite these stories and tell about the, the king of Sakodu and the legend of Sako. So, so traditionally, like a... it would only be played on these three instruments: okay. Jelly Ngoni, Kora. Balafone and Jelly Dunum. On this album, we have all of that and more. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it also it features my brother and great friend, Mr. Corey Henry. And I wanted Corey to be able to 
to free himself and go where he needed to go. And he says, yeah, man, I'll try, man. I hope you like it, bro. But for <laughs> me, he did exactly what I wanted him to do. He did exactly what I wanted him to do, man. I, I was, I, I, my main goal through all, all these songs is just to be able to connect the voices, to talk with me, not against and not beside, but I mean behind, but beside. Let's talk. Let's create a dialogue. Let's create a dialogue. Let's create a dialogue with you know with with the African and African, African in America. Let's create a dialogue where it's no longer no like you do this, you and I do this. And for me. Every song on this album, I think, did that. Every, I think it really did. I really do feel like it did that. Nice. Corey is a master of uh, communication through through his instrument. Yeah, uh, not by phone. I've I've witnessed uh, <laughs> right right. I've 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 learned a lot watching him uh, work on a composition with uh, the Snarky Puppy Crew. And there was a lot of conversation going on in the room. How about this? And what do we do like that? Let me do it like that. And it went back around about three or four times. And then Corey just laid it out. And everybody just went, yep. That was it. Yeah. He didn't say words. True. Yeah. So let's, let's jump ahead. Let's, let's go into an, one more. Um, I'm going to I'm going to jump far ahead towards the end of the album because I I'm I'm in love with the song. Uh, it reminds me of the first time I really heard a similar style and I just my entire being just jumped up out of the chair and ran down to find out you know what what were they playing and why and how they were playing and this is uh pardon my uh my Spanish here. Uh-oh. Rompe el cuero. Rompe el cuero. There we go. Let's give it a beat the leather. Let's give it a let's give it a listen. <laughs> Yeah! 
possible to fit the sounds of the entire diaspora into one <laughs> song? Am I, am I that was a dream come true. That's all I can tell you. That song was a dream come true. So tell me, tell me about the the the, the story there. Uh, what what, what am I what am I listening to? Assume I know nothing, which is exactly the truth. I have to give a big shout out to my uh, a, a good friend of mine, which is part of that, Carl Govinston of a project called Moja. So we, me and Carl Govinston did this project, and we was on this project for years, and we was working together in Cuba, and so we went to Cuba. And I've always said, yo, man, you got to see this group called Osain Del Monte. So myself, Carl Govison, another great, great percussionist by the name of Pedrito Martinez went. Um, and the first trip we all went together, we had everybody in the room. But Osain wasn't there. So we went back two years later. And Osain was in town. So we recorded this song. And they was like, Weedy. Okay, we record, record Rumba and Jimbe, mixing, 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 mixing. I say, yeah, let's do it. But the problem was they had never played with Jimbe player. They loved the instrument. They was looking at the drum and was like, and they was hitting the drum and was having perfect technique of how they hit the drum, but they wanted to understand the mechanics of how it would fit. So how we did was because myself and Munir Zaki, which is another phenomenal artist on the album, phenomenal, phenomenal artist. We understood the conversation and the language of the style of music that they play, which is called rumba. Rumba is the music that is the heart of Cuba. Mm. And Osain Del Monte, I must say, is probably one of the greatest rumba bands that's in Cuba right now, hands down hands down, of our time right now. We're watching in real time, like Muñequitos de Matanza Muñequitos de Matanza was. We're watching it in real time of a legendary group being born and rising. So when we were working together, we were able to play these rhythms that would fit into side of clave. So everything in Cuba is a damn party. So as soon as we found out where we was at, the rum came out and we started jamming and we moving and moving and moving. And they was like, okay, Rompe Cuero, Rompe Cuero. I said, like, what the hell does that mean? And he's like, I was like, what the hell is Rompe Cuero? Beat the leather. I was like, and me and I don't have any sense. I was like, beat the leather. Love. So then. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, beat the We're not in downtown New York. Yeah, this is in Cuba. It's probably about. <laughs> Go on. So, so it's. Beat the leather. So then they said, well, you know, for dance. I mean, all for the hands. And so the leader of the band is a gentleman by the name of Adonis Pantorum. There's a, he's a folklorist. And just like his room ensemble, he wanted to see his style of music evolve. He grew up playing bata, he grew up playing quinto. So we were able to create, once again, this word dialogue and this sound, this, 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 this global sound that we were creating, this global sound, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Within this music, we start finding out that we had the same voice. Mm. We had the same voice of how we approached the phrasing of the music. And it was a very eerie moment. Once the listener hears the, in the middle of the song, the vibe of the music changed. Cause at the middle of it, 
this global sound start to going into our own, we start to find our identity of how we approach the music and how we played the music. So it, was, it, it became almost Christians, like how me and you go on stage. We became, it became a relationship where it was touching. It was, even for him, we could, we could tell that if, if we didn't stop, once the music stopped, it would turn into a, a tear of joy. It would be tears of joy. So what you're hearing is the emotional content of what Cheers of Joyce will bring through our hands. Mm. So Rompe El Cuero, a, a party like no others. I mm. mean, there's a party on the album, but that song is definitely the party of the album. That's, you know. Nice. Shout out to Osan Del Monte and the bassist, the legendary Alain Perez. So. And you recorded, you say that was recorded in Cuba, in Havana? That was recorded in Cuba at um at um not Abdallah. Christian, you recorded there. Um old spot in old Havana. <laughs> rain we, fart. We have um yeah. the second time I had a rain fart on the show. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the, I, I know which studio you're talking about though, right? I'm blanking out on the name. Too. He was trying to outsource to you. No, I'm I'm, I'm blanking out on the name. Harris and David Sanchez. We did a record there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I'm uh, flies, man. I know, I know. Um I think we have time for one more, and I, I guess I'll throw it out to 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 you, Weedy, and Christian, if you want to comment. Um, there's a there's a track here, um, which I found diverse and interesting in comparison to the rest of the album, called "When Clouds Kissed." Um, okay. And then there's also "Back to Forward" and "Ode to Bantuku." So, uh, would you like to pick and prepave? Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry because now you get into an emotional part. You pick two of the most emotional songs. Mm. Oh, back to forth, Old Tupantuku is a song I did in honor of my father. Mm. And my father, I will say, besides being a, a, a besides being a 111 generation drummer on my father's side. He was one of, to this day, and I told, it's only f- four people that I can say that are some of the greatest composers. And one of them is on the phone, that that's my top. One is for me, and that's my brother, not because of being biased, because Christian, my brother. But that, Christian and my father, first being my dad. Hmm. That album, the way I approach music, the way he would approach music. It's the true way he would approach music. So back to the old Tupantuku was also the name of my father's first band in the States. Hmm. Well, I so, think that's, that's where we have to that's, go then. Yeah. 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 So that's where you got it. Back to Ford is a, I named it that because I was, I was looking, it's like, of course we look back to the fourth, but also it was a joke that me and Trombone Shorty had made a long time ago, and it's very intense, and I can't say it. But <laughs> he says, "Man, I told him, never go backwards, but I real reverse. When I made my go backwards, my damn sure gonna go forward." So I said, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna name it that, but I have to 
honor. <laughs> it's a, it's a double entendre because the way he played the music was like it's like he knew where I was going mentally, and mm. so I had to I had to I had to call it Old Bantuku because the melody of it and the way I approached the music five years ago when I wrote the song was like my father mm. to the T. The way I would even explain it to the band, the way I would do it was like it was tripping me out because I was like, damn, you say you are your father's son, so that's. Okay. Back to forward, old to Bantu. Let's take now the next one off the floor. But, hello. <laughs> now the next one is the real one. It's called "When the Clouds Kiss." That song, along with the song that comes after this, which as a surprise, but it's, it's that song and when ships come in are all part of the same family. There's a story that goes to it. When the clouds kiss was the day my mother passed and when I found my mother. Wow. She passed my founder dead. And what I wanted to do was to try and take the listener through the same emotional hurt that I went through without saying a word. Hmm. Through music. And one of the hardest things was to think about music when you find your mother at, in a situation like that, because you don't wish that on nobody. Mm -hmm. And some people may call me crazy. How in the hell are you going to think about music when your mother passed? Because she was music. That's that was her. Yeah. Even when I had to turn that damn plastic bag and send her to the morgue, it was when I played for her and I was never going to see her hold her in that form as she was and play on her chest the rhythm that I used on Old to Bantuku, which was the style of music that I first played with my dad, which was the music that my father and my mother taught me on her on her chest before they wheeled off. Wow. And this is all true. This is not a this is not like something for, for gimmicks and tricks and shit. But when the clouds kisses a story, it's just when you hear the song, the average person would think this is really, this is uplifting. But at the same time, just because music is uplifting, in Africa, we use music to uplift us even when we hurt. In New Orleans, we use music to uplift us even when we hurt. And in life, we realize sometimes we don't know how to go to another realm without using certain things that's sad. My main idea was to bring spirit, emotion, love and a true form of try to show the continuum of where I want to go with what I'm doing with my with my music. Mm -hmm. And that's what When the Clouds Kiss is. It's a true form of her knowing that that rhythm that we always play together will still be there. Her voice will still be there. Her smile will be there. Her laugh will still be there. But when you hear the song, it shows my hurt and my sadness as a being a human being and her evolution and her her transition into ancestral royal at the same time so in real time you're listening to what we feel when we're playing for spirit whether we're playing for a bimbe or a comb or jenna foley but how we play for spirit i'm doing that to show how spirit elevates and how it goes now it was harder for me to do that because i normally do that at parties but i'm doing that other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was the hardest thing to do musically yeah. 
And even in the studio, when I was like working on this piece, I told the engineer, Keenan McCray, I say, you want to know if this is right? Ask anybody in the room what they feel when they heard the song, because there's no words. Right. And everything lined up the same. Say, I felt, I felt, felt like someone was leaving, but they never left. I felt sadness, but I got you. I, I heard hurt, but you will be fine. I heard, I heard spirit, but it was there with me. And I said, we have the song. That's what it is. So that's where, that's where I'm going to go. Let me just make sure I've got the right, the right cue here. So much, Weedy, for sharing yeah. that story. Uh, I was thinking about my mom. <laughs> thinking about that. I hear it all. It's really fascinating, and, and I can't wait for people to hear the whole thing. Um, yeah. Shout out to Robbie and uh, Munizaki for the that it was. <laughs> it was the. <laughs> it's hard to talk, and when you hear it, it's like. Now that it's all over and we did the album and when you sit back and listen, it's like, and you know, 
Christian knows that feeling. He did over 20 albums, but he understands that feeling when you hear back. It's, it knocks you down every time you hear it. Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, how many times you made it and you know you're over something and you know you're good, but emotionally it just... And to, to tell you the truth, the day we finished the song is the, was the day of my mother's birthday. So mm. when we finished the song, it was July 19th. Well, gentlemen, I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to leave it on that note. After after um, this airs, we're, we're going to give people a taste of the uh, the trombone shorty guest on uh, Back to Forward, uh, Ode to Bantuku, uh, about Weedy's father, and um, get a sample of that, gentlemen. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm speechless. Uh, thank you for putting your thank hearts, your souls, your spirits. Uh, into music, weedy. Um, it's like going to college, man. It's like it's better than college. Just learning <laughs> from you. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm, I'm just no. opening up to so many new things. Um, and and I appreciate it. And Christian, thank you so much for bringing for bringing this to to uh, to the world. Thank you, um, Lewis. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Stretch Music. Mm. Um, I, I really appreciate you all, and uh, thank you. God bless you, Allah, you Barake. Thank you. I want to thank you guys as well, and obviously everybody that's at home that's going to be checking this out. Go and cop this record. I know it's a it's a it's a streaming era. Buy the record. <laughs> you know, support this music. Well, get the quality. Get the quality. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, the thing is, is that's that's what's going on now. It's you know, you, you can get the best version of this. And what you're getting is the seed of something that people are going to be talking about and dealing with musically for generations to come. Mm -hmm. You're literally seeing the seed of, of, a, of a new sound, a new approach, a completely new methodology, and, and new bridges being created not only throughout our diaspora, but all of the diasporas of the world because of the intention and the mindset of the man who created it. Um, the, the king of the hands of time, Mr. Weedy Brandon. So thank you, guys.